Welcome back to the podcast. Sorry, I am the worst host in the world and am bad at updating this, but I've had a bit of a life change. I moved to Denver, as you'll hear in the episode, um, and just trying to get a little bit of rhythm in life. So again, I apologize for the lack of consistency in episodes. Um, Again, I'm a mediocre podcast host with a mediocre podcast. So uh, hopefully I can get some more out and uh, for your listening pleasure uh today on the podcast i have amy she's really great uh we talk about what it means to be a transplant be rooted all that good stuff i hope you enjoy it thanks Uh, live from the comfort of her own home in denver colorado i have with me amy st germain amy how are you doing I'm doing really well. Kevin, you're in my living room. This I'm in is, your living room. This is pretty exciting. It's nice. It's a very nice house. Very, there's a lot of pictures on the wall. Uh, it's it's very uh, feminine in the way that it's uh, <laughs> clean. And there's actually things on the wall. Whereas if this was a guy's house, there'd be like a single poster on one wall. And then there'd be like random stuff in corners. And I, I can't take credit for this. We were just talking about this. I was telling Kevin right before we started that I moved out to Colorado in June and I signed a lease in my lovely roommate's house for my lovely roommate's house without even visiting. So I was happily surprised. <laughs> They're like, wow, this is really nice. It's beautiful. It is, yeah. it is a quite a beautiful house, I must say. Um, yeah, Denver's funny because you have these like little tiny houses that don't look like much from the outside. And you're like, oh, look at this little podunk thing. And you guys are like, wow, this is really nice. They put a lot of work into this place and fancy hardwood floors and, you know, fancy tile backsplashes and I, we're, all sorts of stuff. We're very fortunate because Haley's mom, my roommate, is actually an interior decorator. Ah, this, let's see, so this all makes it's sense. all see, starting to things. make sense. I'm learning things about all of this. There's uh, a lot less room than my apartment in Boston had, which is surprising because usually apartments in Boston are the size of a shoebox. But right. um, yeah, this is smaller than my, I, you could have a small graduation ceremony in my kitchen, where, it, but not here, right. but in Boston. Which, <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so as I said, we're, we're in Colorado for, uh, I haven't updated people that have been listening to this podcast. If you don't, you don't know, but I, I no longer live in Georgia, obviously. Um, but Amy, who are you? How, how did you end up in, uh, what brings you to Colorado? Now Selfishly, I'm really happy that you're in Denver. This oh, is exciting. Um, so I met Kevin, um, when I was a life teen summer missionary. So I actually grew up in New Hampshire and um, went to school in Massachusetts, studied engineering at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. And after I, I spent a couple summers with Life Teen, serving as a summer missionary between my sophomore and junior year and then my junior senior year of college, ended up serving a year with them after college. Um, and that was in Tiger, Georgia. So that's where Kevin and I met. Kevin was working at the camp at the same time. Go Raven County, baby. Raven County. Uh, what's the population now? Have we? I don't. Maybe twenty. I doubt it's even twenty thousand. I don't know. Here, you you continue. I'll, I'll, keep I'll talking look it up. You can look it up. What about Delanaga? Delanaga has a little bit more of a population. Maybe I don't know. Here, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll look. look. It up. Continue. Anyway, so after I uh, I finished my mission year with Life Teen, I moved back to Massachusetts and I worked for a, a pretty prominent healthcare medical device company, and um, spent a couple years working in the corporate world. And then in uh, May of this year, I found a job working at the Augustine Institute as a, basically a project manager for Formed. I don't know if y'all have heard of it, but it's like Catholic Netflix, kind of. And <laughs> uh, so I work, I work as a content, the content and implementation manager, just helping users um, kind of use the platform. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So I'm using a lot of technical skills. Um, but I got the job offer the second week of May and moved out here by the first day of June. So um, within two weeks, moved my life up across the country, which was quite the adventure. So um, I've been in, in Denver about eight months at this point, I think. What is it? It's February uh, right now. It, it's yeah, February. Nine. Okay. So like nine months? Yeah. Somewhere you're, around you're, there. You're, you're, well, no, isn't, it's not nine yet because you have to, you have till, you're, you're at eight. March, April. Because you got to get to June, May, right? June. Yeah. So eight. We're eight. Yeah, eight <laughs> it's months. been eight months. And two thirds of a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I spent, um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of moving around in the past couple of years and um, I'm really loving Denver, really starting to put some roots down and um, yeah, love my job, love my apartment house. Um, <laughs> Your living beautiful. situation. My living situation. I go. like my life right now. <laughs> I like my life. Uh, I have an update, at least according to the 2010 census, okay. which again, it is 2019. So nine years and a lot of things have happened to Raven County. Raven County has kind of become a bus. Really? No. In terms of like uh, tourism stuff, it's become 
quite the bustling place. Um, it was at 16,276 at oh, last check. The so estimate for 2016 was 16,599. Um, so we're so, looking at least 32 times the number. Right. There are like within you know, certain sections of Denver, that amount of people, you know, <laughs> like Denver, Denver Metro areas, I think like three now or something like that. Something crazy. So uh, a big change from going, you know, which doesn't feel like, De I mean, there's besides the traffic, but I seriously, the traffic here is not as bad as Boston. I will, <laughs> I will say that. And it's not as bad as Atlanta either. Right. I don't know. There's less people. That's the thing. There's like, there's less people in Denver, well, because like, like the Boston has just like there's so many different things around Boston too. It's not just Boston itself. You know, yeah. you have all of these different tiny little cities that are all around and townships and, and decisions to put tunnels because yep. there wasn't room for roads. I I tell this story all the time, but anybody who's had to endure Boston traffic or the Boston roads or the lack that, lack thereof uh, signage and etc. Directionals things like that. Uh, since Boston is such an old city, Kevin, I think I've told you this story before, but since Boston is such an old city, a lot of the major roads and streets in Boston were, you know, back in the day when it was farmland, cow paths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very circuitous. There's it, not a lot of right. roads that make sense. So half the roads were designed by animals. Right. And I'm not talking about the civil engineers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so definitely, I think Denver has a little bit more pre-thought People also don't use their horns here, which I'm really grateful Denver's for. Denver's on a grid. So if you ever come to Denver, for the most part, it's on a grid. So like you have streets that are on north-south, you have streets that are on east-west, until you get to Lodo, and then it's like, hey, we're going to go diagonally, because why not? And you have some other random ones like Leedsdale that then turns into Parker County. Spear. Runs Spear's also yeah, Spear a weird Spear does a weird diagonal, mm -hmm. then eventually, I think eventually it turns north, mm -hmm. but it does some diagonal things. But for the most part, you're like, okay, if I'm on... Colorado, I'm going north-south. I know that much. Or if I'm on Evans, I'm going east-west. I know that much. So it's easier because, like, even in Atlanta, like, it's easy to get turned around. And just because all the, the streets going, it's kind of on a grid. But in some places, you're like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but this is funny. So we're both recent transplants, more or less. You uh, further back than I because I was the beginning of the year. So it's been a little over a month really like i haven't even gotten two months really i moved january 1st um and i was just i've been thinking about rudeness and being a transplant in general because even really since i was like 19 i haven't called the place home because my parents lived overseas um right after i finished my my first year of college so fall of 2009 i'm studying abroad in austria and my parents move over to doha qatar Qatar, however you want to say it um and they sold their house that i grew up in so that was the house i basically lived in since i was born um sold that house moved overseas um they now live in tyler texas which again i've been many times now but i don't have like friends there so there's just like kind of like i considered the woodlands home but yet i don't have any home there anymore um my parents still live there none of my family does anymore my sister lived in the area now she lives just south but like no one in my family lives in the woodlands anymore yet yeah, that's like the place when i think of home i think of that um and so that, then i was in school and then going from school to seminary for a hot second to denver back in 2012 when i was living with the servants to camp for six years and now i'm back in denver um it's just funny because i was thinking about like what is keeping me rooted and keeping me from being not just like just this transient floating, you know, modern millennial who's like, I don't own a house. I don't have bed. I don't have furniture. I just kind of float from place to place and do whatever. And I have nothing that like connects me to a place. And I, I don't know. It's, it's just like this weird modern feeling where, um, you know, you go back 200 years, most people didn't travel. Like they didn't travel with more than like 20 miles from their home. I think about like Immanuel Kant, who's considered one, like one of the most, um, influential philosophers of, you know, modern philosophy back when he lived in the 18th century, he didn't m go more than 20 miles from where he lived. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that wow. was this whole thing. Like he wasn't some world traveler. He stayed within his little like German village. And yet his ideas um, still infiltrate his, yeah, his ideas. His, yeah. His ideas have yeah. this, this giant impact. Whereas, you know, I, you can drive 20, there's people that drive more than 20 miles just to get to work at, each day. Um, and there's people that, you know, have, especially like I think military families that have moved, you know, eight times in eight years or just crazy things like that. It's like, how, how, how do you go about being rooted? It's just kind of like this question that has haunted me for a little. Um, and now that you are a transplant as well, 
and you're trying to kind of figure out your life in this new situation. Like how, how, how have you gone about trying to root yourself in this new place and what have been the struggles? What have been, you know, the good parts? Um, cause that's something I'm trying to figure out right now is, um, like I go to work and then I come back and I, you know, hang out with the family I'm staying with, but that's really about it. Like in terms of, in terms of that. So like, it's interesting for me in this current, you know, season of life to like feel rooted. So I, I wanted to kind of get your, your thoughts on just that whole concept in general. Yeah. I think what you're saying, Kevin, is really a lot of people can really identify with that. Um, and I think whether it's, um, moving from home, you know, high school students moving from home to college, there's a Mm -hmm. newness there. What does it mean for something to be home and how do you find roots in a place that maybe is not home? And I think the part two with that even is like, even going off to college, you at least at the end of the semester, you're coming back to a place usually, usually. Right. Um, granted there's some people that have crazy family situations, maybe, Parents are, parents are getting divorced. Maybe there's all sorts of things that could go on yeah. that could, you know, throw that in flux. But for a college, it's like for a season, right? You go for a season and then you come back and then you go for a season and then you come back. And then eventually when you graduate, it's like, okay, what are you going to do? Like right. Maybe you move closer to home. A lot of people move back home with their parents for a time and try to figure out life. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just strange because um, I, I doubt like we're not the first generation to feel this, but it feels like extremely acute in our like millennial, for sure. For sure. like, you know, early twenties ish people where, you know, our, my dad got a job out of college, worked for the same company for 38 years. And like, that obviously is not correct. They're going to happen with me. Cause yeah. I already, you know, <laughs> left the job I had and, um, and we're, and working for a different company now. So like how, like, I, I don't have that even just stability of work that my dad had or earlier generations had where the, you know, you could get a job and keep it for until you retired. And mm-hmm, then, you know, mm-hmm. you could stay in the place or maybe you would get transferred. Um, that, There's that's a right loyalty there. and a belonging that really existed in the corporate world, which we see a huge lack of even in companies and organizations that have existed for a long time. I mentioned the organization I worked for after my mission year for a couple of years, there mm-hmm. were people who were retiring who had worked there um, for, for 50 years. Right. You know, they were, they had started right out of high school and they, like you were saying, um, worked till retirement. There's this allegiance, this loyalty, this belonging to a company, to a place. Even if you didn't stay in the same place, there was belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, what you're saying, what you're describing, Kevin, I think is not anything that is unique. I'm not, you have unique and right. valid feelings. No, Kevin. no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's unique. I think, I think what I'm expressing is very yeah, common. For, it's relatable. I think right. that's the thing is that this is a relatable thing. And so we all experience that in different, you know, different levels, different acuities. And you know, the college, you get a little glimpse of it, but like you mentioned, there's still the stability of even your college classes. You're going to class with people mm-hmm. every day. There's some sort of belonging in that. Um, and I, I think what's interesting is that this, uh, this, these, these life transitions and trying to find roots. I think I've done this a couple times in the past few years. So I was actually just talking to somebody last night about this as well. Um, but when I moved, you know, I up and moved after graduation, I moved to, um, to, to Georgia and was part of a community and putting roots down at Covecrest is pretty easy when you have a missionary community. So I had other girls that I was living alongside of and, um, felt like I belonged and, you know, no community is perfect, but we really, I mean, those are the, those are the girls who are I'm closest to, um, even still to this day. So Joy House uh, was a beautiful place. Joy House for life. Joy House, the the OG. <laughs> we are the, I mean, there's a lot of, so Joy House is the house that the full-time missionaries live in. And, um, at Covecrest. At Covecrest, that, yes. That are, that are female. That are female. The girls <laughs> so you have to specify, Lisa, at Covecrest as missionaries live in this house. And, um, yeah, so we just, our year, we were really close. So, uh, the first time that I really experienced this, this lack of belonging was, um, when I moved from camp, I, after, you know, took that, that job in the corporate world and all the other women who had been living at, at camp with me that year were staying and I was up and leaving, right. which was very challenging. Um, you're the only one, you're the yeah. one being kicked and, out. <laughs> right. And I wasn't kicked out just to I clarify. <laughs> Kevin. Um, yeah. And I took planting seeds of division. Oh, yeah. Great rumors, rumors. And, um, yeah, so for, I, it was really isolating. I think that's the first thing that's, that's difficult when we talk about not having roots. I think if we start, we'll start with 
the experience of it, what's the lack of, and then what I found to be helpful because I think that's a good way of approaching it. Sure. So the first thing is compare contrast. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing is isolation. You feel like you're the only one. Right. And it doesn't matter. You could you could be surrounded by people all the time, but you feel isolated because you don't have a belonging. You don't necessarily belong to anybody. Right. And I and I think that's even just a common thing in modern world. You know, we we have it's funny, I, I recently deleted my Facebook because I was just sick of their, their stupid machinations of that dumb company that steals all your, well, you you sign over and sell all of your information to them and they're like, oh, it's free, but we'll sell it to everyone for a price and um, data leaks and all sorts of things. I was like, I, you know what, I'm good with this. And also, even I think this goes to my point of like, we feel, uh, there's that isolation, like we feel as if we have like a view into everyone's life, but we have no con- like actual communion mm-hmm. with them. You know, mm-hmm. there's like this very like thin thread of connection where, you know, I see the pictures you post. I see the comments you make. I see the videos of you, you know, showing your best part of your life and blah, 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 blah. But I don't actually know what's going on in your life because I'm only seeing what you show me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. there's... There's nothing there. I was like, you know, like why, why, why do I don't have to be a part of this? Like just mm-hmm. because there's a billion people on it doesn't mean I have to be on it. Like mm-hmm. my dad's not on it. My dad's doing just fine. You know? And I, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be a voyeur anymore. Like I'm just being a voyeur into people's lives. Like I don't know any of these people. Like these people don't actually know me per se. Like, yes, maybe they know me in the past, but my current life, like if you want to chat with me, like give me a phone call. I have a phone number. I have a phone. You can mm-hmm. do that you know, come grab a beer with me. If you live in the same area, there's, there's all sorts of ways, but we take like this easy, um, ephemeral route. Cause it's way easier just to be like, and I think that's why we feel isolated is that everything's ephemeral. Like, you know, having, um, like small talk's good cause it breaks the ice. But if your whole life's small talk, like you have a pretty crappy life. That's right. kind of the and way I, to look at it. And I think what we see on Facebook and on social media is a lot of it's small glorified talk. small talk. Yeah. And I mean, I surrounded have, by Bible quotes <laughs> <laughs> and really pretty pictures and right. punctuation. And right. you know, there's, I think it's there's, cotton candy. That's what it is. It's like sweet and it doesn't last for very long and right. it's gone and there's no nutrition. Right. And the, you know, if you think about what small talk is, though, small talk is meant to lead us into the, it's kind of like the warm up yeah. for deeper conversations. So social media, I think social media can be used in a way that leads us to deeper relationships. Sure. But a lot of times in that state of isolation that we're talking about when we don't really have belonging, if we turn to the cotton candy to fulfill the need for belonging, mm-hmm. we're going to end up really empty and our need some meat and potatoes, baby. Or, or, you know, if you want your organic, you know, free range chicken, you can have that too. That's, eggs. Yeah, yeah. Cage free eggs. Cage free eggs. Uh, I was just one little side comment, just as a PSA for everybody listening. I don't know if you know this, but have you ever noticed when you start talking about sp- something specific, like, let's say you're like, I really want to go on a vacation to Morocco. And then three days later or the next afternoon, you go on Facebook and there's travel agency ads for Morocco. Like, we don't, we don't listen. We promise. You're like, I doubt well, this. So actually, no, this is, oh, this, is been... this is the PSA is that Facebook does listen. If you have the, the on, like the off, um, it's a, it's a security setting. Yeah, if you yeah. allow. Which they probably Facebook, have automatically turned yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. If you had allow Facebook access to your microphone, it doesn't sell your information, but it tells agencies and different companies, Hey, um, we won't give you their information, but we'll show your ads to people it's relevant to. So it's a really interesting. So they're selling your information. <laughs> they're not. They're not <laughs> right, selling right, right, it. They're right. just. They're, they're, it is. They're selling marketing. ads. They're like, hey, we can target this person for because the, they said oh, yeah. Morocco. Yeah. We will, uh, you know, target an ad for Moroccan travel so or Moroccan little, food for them. Do a little test. I invite everybody listening to do or a just little test and delete see your delete works. Facebook. Just don't. <laughs> just opt out. It's okay. We'll survive. The world has existed for far longer than Facebook has existed, and it'll exist when Facebook is gone and no longer a thing and it'll be a great time like i said kevin i am not anti-facebook i definitely see it being (laughs) harmful and i also think it can lead us into you know can keep us connected in in the pursuit of something more sure sure but it's funny though because like if you moved away from people you were friends with those relationships kind of have to die off in a sense Mm -hmm. like think before technology Mm -hmm. it's like you you wouldn't be able to keep up with those people because unless you like sent letters, which took time and it took it took us a lot of time energy, too, right? Time and energy, energy to do it, and but now it's like everything has become so easy that it's like we feel that we can keep connected with all these people that are all over the place. But I th- I think that, I don't know. It's it's like we are so spread out to everywhere. Everything's so wide that we can't have like 
the important things that are right in front of I don't know. I don't know no, what I'm trying to say. I, because No, it's I know a, what you're trying. I mean, I think I know what you're trying to say. Uh, we are finite beings. As right. Much as and we you can only think- care about so many, like we can only care about so many people. We can only care about so many things. Like right? as terrible as the things that are going on halfway across the world, like I'm not halfway across the world. And like as much righteous anger as I want to have, like I only <laughs> have so much, you know, capacity in my, my finiteness to like care about these things. And I'm glad someone cares about the things, the terrible things that are going on in whatever country. Like, I don't even know right now. Cause you know, unless right. I would just like listen to BBC news and figure out, Oh, this is happening in Morocco right now. Or right. Right. We're talking about Addis Ababa. <laughs> yeah. I think, no, I think you're pointing to something that goes back to where we started, which is we are, we are finite. We only, as much as we want to be able to, I shouldn't say we're finite because we do have um, uh, immortal souls. So, but you're, I, but you're finite. But, but we there's a certain <laughs> amount of energy that we have, and not in like a weird like you know aura kind of way, but in a real like there's a certain amount of time that we have in a day, and a certain amount of emotional energy we have, and we can't invest 100% of ourselves into 15 different relationships as meaningful as those are. Right. Um, and it really goes back to being where your feet are right. and being present and putting down roots. And so what comes up with this, so I think this ties back into it is that the, if, if we find a lack of belonging and we're in that isolation, right, we will turn to mm-hmm. something that promises some sort of connection, AKA sure. social media. And that becomes this really disordered and kind of uh, vicious cycle. Right. It's a feedback loop. Right. You know, exactly. It's like they, we, you get the little, um, whatever dopamine rush of like, Oh look, someone liked the picture. I posted something and these people liked it. Wow. And then like, it it just, it's, it's like engineered to make you want just like to keep you stuck in this little ecosystem and not like, Oh, I'm just be on Facebook and scroll through Facebook and like these photos. And And I think we've all been there. We've all been through mindless scrolling. I mean, that's something I'm going to nip in the Cause that's the way it's, it's the way it's designed. Like it's, it's not, that's not by accident. I think that's the thing. It's like, it's the way they, they made the thing. Right. So we have this issue. We have this issue, this isolation. This Thank vicious... you for getting us back on track. Okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> Kev, this is, this is why we're a good team right now. <laughs> we have this vicious cycle and uh, you have isolation and you have lack of belonging. And so that's the other thing is that we feel like we don't belong. I was actually just talking to somebody last night about this. And um, they were expressing kind of this desire for a romantic relationship and how it's like painful and acute. And as, as I was listening to them talk, um, what I was hearing was something that this this desire for some sort of like relationship was mm-hmm. actually pointing to a lack of belonging, not in a in a romantic dating relationship, just in a in in terms of relate like actual relationships right. with people. And so what happens too is that we don't always realize we've noticed this ache inside of us, this desire for community in some capacity. We don't always realize that the first level of that, the first answer is community is relationship right so there's we're talking about the lacks here there's isolation and then there's this lack of belonging and so sometimes that comes out in the form of something else like you know feeling really lonely and um my my argument this might be a hot take but it's probably not that hot of a take but is that that really we got to start in order to to, if we want to belong to somebody like vocationally we have to learn how to belong to one another um, in the context of community, first right. and foremost, you need friends. It you sounds like the person just needs a friend, friends. right? It's, she yeah. doesn't, you don't, you don't need a boyfriend. You just need a friend. It sounds like you need, cause <laughs> it sounds like she just needs to be known by someone <laughs> in some way. Right? That's the thing. It's like, she'll probably listen to this podcast. So <laughs> that's good. Good. It sounds like you need a friend, whoever you are. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know your name. So we're going to okay. pray. We're going to pray that she finds some friends. But, um, but, and that's just like a natural stage of life. There are some stages of life that you're going to be in, whether it's like work related or the fact that you just moved, that you're not going to have ready access to like deep meaningful friendships right and that's okay and so what are the ways that we can respond to that kevin i interrupted you no no but i think like that's so hard because again the way our world has been like engineered and constructed now Mm -hmm. is that those are really hard to find like that's why she's like there's this ache in this like because you know it's it's easier to just have all these ephemeral relationships on social media than it is to actually invest in like a friendship and we're going to, you know, show all the good parts, bad parts, like share, share your heart in a way. Like that's what you had when you were living at at joy house and and there it's like you had a community that where you were going to be loved in the messiness and all the goodness, but like those people were there with you that whole year and you didn't have, you know, this, um, 
yeah, just like you, you had the essentially discount. ready access to like people that would be your friends, mm-hmm. like, and maybe you didn't get along with every like, everyone to in like each a specific like super deep way, but like you all were in it together. Oh no, you know? we did. Okay, <laughs> well, but it, that's not always the case, though. Right? I, no, no, we no. were very we were a very special house. I yeah, and I think to your point on that that. Um, you're not always going to have ready access to friends. And so what, but you had, and it's not even ready. Like sometimes you have to just like go make one. And I think that's something that's that's hard. And that's hard because it's like, you have to put yourself out there. And what, if anything, we've been taught like, well, that's way too hard. So I'm just going to like stay at home, order Postmates, watch Netflix and just be, I'm lonely, but you know, it's a vicious cycle too. And on a deeper level, it's easy now. It's like, well, if I was that, it's like, well, then I have to like, I don't know go to a bar and like meet, you know, but like that's so much less common now. Kevin, it's like, is that how you're making your friends? That's how I'm making all my friends with all my <laughs> copious time that I go to bars. At Dang when it. I'm not well, working. Invite me next time. Sorry. We'll go. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I think too, like on a deeper level, this is something I thought about a lot the last couple of years of like, you know, there's this, and I think this reflects on a, a bigger scale too, like a, you know, kind of bigger picture scale, but on a, on a little scale, like there's this thought in our mind that, um, you know, I feel like people, if people real knew the real me, they wouldn't love me. And so then there's this cycle that happens where, because you're afraid of that, you don't show people who you are. And then that lie is never disproven. So you're in this weird like cycle where you're not actually letting anybody see you. Um, so that goes, that goes really deep. That's like, I think a core issue, but in terms of like the actual friend thing, um, I remember when I was in Boston. So, I mean, Boston, just as a, as a side note, Boston was a really hard couple of years for me. Mm. I didn't have community and I did feel very alone and I hated my job. <laughs> Hopefully my boss isn't listening to this, but I, okay. it just was, just it don't was, tell him that you did the podcast. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, it, so there were all these different things that were sucking life out of me and I didn't have community to turn to. And when there were opportunities for community to like that popped up, I remember there was a, bi- a woman's Bible study, that was about 30 minutes from my house. Um, and after work, it would take like 45 minutes to an hour to get there on a Wednesday night. And these women were, were amazing. And I did spend some time with them, but on a weekly basis, it was really hard for me to show up because it took so much investment. And because I wasn't being filled up by community in other, any other way, it was this weird cycle of like, well, I don't really feel like going, so I'm not going to go. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to feel like going next week either. Right. And so even when I did have the opportunities for community, it was like, I was kind of stuck in this, right. this weird cycle. So I don't know there's a couple of things like on a logistical level, cause we're talking about community. And I think it's interesting that we took this route because, um, in terms of putting down roots, yeah. uh, it's interesting that we ended up here. Cause I think that's a component of it, but it, it like, on a very superficial level, one of the things that's been helpful because I've been in, this is going to be my, yeah, this is my second or third location that I've moved to that I've had to kind of adjust to. Cause after college I I'd lived in Worcester and was living on my own yep. before mission. So that was one location, but logistically I think things that are really important, uh, finding places locally that you really enjoy going to like a coffee shop or yeah. a gym or your favorite grocery store, like, and having that be a consistent part. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that was a big piece of how I, I, I started to feel a little bit more at home right. when I moved back to Boston or Woburn. I actually live North of the city. Woburn. Woburn. Um, and yeah, so I think that's a piece of it and putting routine in your life. So the other thing that I found, um, was a place to pray mm-hmm. on a regular basis yeah. and having that be a consistent on a daily basis, going and showing up at this little adoration chapel. Um, made friends with the people who were also there on a daily basis. Very funny, interesting group of humans, but, uh, that was significant. So consistency, having some sort of routine because that can make a place feel like home, but also we can start to feel at home in ourselves when Mm -hmm. there's a, there's another thing too, because that's, that's the, the other piece is that we can search for home and for roots everywhere. Uh, but if we're not feeling first at home in ourselves, we're always going to feel out of place. We're always going to feel isolated. We're always going to feel um, alone if we don't first um, find home in ourselves. And the other thing too is that uh, I have lots of little like thoughts on all this. So thank you, Kevin, for putting up with all these tangents. But good. The uh, you know in morning prayer, there's a line that says, "In you, all find their home." And I think they're talking about Jerusalem in that situation, right. but. Uh, we also can find our home. Like we always can be at home in Christ. Sure. Yeah. And the, the, and we, we can, you know, in Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem being like the body of Christ, the, mm. the church. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, that's like where 
ultimately, and we could get into a whole different tangent, but that's <laughs> like with, with parish life, like how, as a young adult, if you don't go to the young adult parish, it's like, how do you, I, I'm even thinking, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I'm, I'm even thinking about like the programs that a parish puts on, like in my, my, the job I currently work, I work like nine hours a day, nine thirty seven is like my schedule next really week. Really inconvenient. Yeah. Right. Like I can't, if there is a program going on in a parish, I probably am not going to be able to go to it because I will be working at that time or I will have just worked for nine hours mm-hmm. on my feet all day. Have you walked like eight miles? And then it's like, Hey, you want me to go to some, like no, none of the things are starting at seven. So like, how am I even supposed to be part of a parish besides going to mass on Sunday? Right. You know, it's oh, like, that's a great question that like for people that don't have like the usual nine to five job or this or that, it's like, how, how did, how do I, cause that's like, that theoretically should be my community. And I think modern life is fresh. That's to the point where like you have a car, you can drive to a place. Whereas if you think back, like think of the old churches in Europe, it's like they were in the square of the town. And like, if you lived around it, you just come to the town square go to like it was right, right in the right, heart of everything right. now whereas now i have a car it's like well i could go to risen christ i could go to svp i could go to lords i could go to come to lords. mpb if i was crazy um i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> sorry people that go to mpb none of you probably listen to this most podcast. precious blood that's what that's yes it's it's an interesting parish we'll leave it at that um never been it's an interesting parish uh <laughs> but like like that theoretically should be my first community yet I don't think of that at you all. You don't have the me. ability for it, it to be well, a community right per, now. Maybe it would, but like, I don't really know anyone that goes to that parish. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Like it's, it's just really interesting as it's so funny. Yeah. I, I'm realizing this now as I'm, you know, living away from a place that has like a chapel and stuff and there's yeah. mass on Sundays. And now I have to, you know, go to mass and wherever. Right. Um, right. That like ingratiating your part yourself into that parish community is really, I don't know how to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that way at all in terms of like, just yeah. in terms of feeling rooted. Like I don't feel rooted at all in any particular parish at this point of time. No, and- I feel that that was something that I experienced in, um, Mac in Massachusetts. What was so funny, um, is that though the house that I, the, where I was living in Massachusetts was directly across the street from a parish, St. Anthony of, Anthony of Padua. And that was really cool because I was like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is moving to Boston with me. Like, of course, he's everywhere. But Mm -hmm. I took it really sentimentally, which was lovely. But um, what was so sad is the parish was really languishing. It was very um, empty. And you could count the number of people that went to mass on Sunday. Just so it was just I I went there for almost two years. That was like kind of my home base. Mm -hmm. And I never once felt like I could get involved or be at home there. I didn't have roots there. And that was across the street from my house. Right. So geographically, which is a tragedy. Like that's a tragedy. Yeah. No. And they really just, and so that led me to question, like, what does it mean to belong to a parish? Right. What does it mean to be involved at a parish? Like that's like, do I have to run some program? Like, what if I have no time? What if you're like a mom with five kids and like your life is crazy? Like, what does it mean to be involved at a parish? Like, why do I have to show up to someplace like that? That, that that mom probably has like no time of her own. And now you're telling her she needs to go to some Bible study, Bible study uh, right. once, once, a once a week. It's like she barely like get the dishes done on time because she's trying to right. you know, wrangle all these five little humans together. It, it goes back to that concept of how much energy we have. Well, you know, we can't, there's, right. there's only a certain amount of time in a day, only a certain amount of energy we have. And so it's like, what does that mean? What does it mean to belong to a parish? And I think part of that is to be known to right. and that doesn't mean like oh my gosh everybody knows everything about your life but right. it means to some to, people though. to walk in someone has to know exactly something. to walk into a room to a to a mass to a, a gathering and to have somebody know you mm-hmm. to to know that you are there and to care that you are there so there's kind of two sides of this one um is to, if you're on the receiving end of that that comes first with showing up sometimes you just got to show up yep and as i was listening that was my thought um, before, but then Kevin, you were talking about how you just can't show up sometimes. Right. It's not, so I don't necessarily have an answer to that yet. But for those of us who have normal jobs, <laughs> yeah, who have jobs that, that are nine to five, um, you know, if there's like a potluck dinner going on, just show up, just show up. Right. I think that's the first thing. And then to be able to be willing 
to to have a conversation with somebody that's more than just cotton candy. I'm right. not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that you have to spill your <laughs> tell life me your life story now to you know Nancy, the 65 year old choir director. But maybe you should though. <laughs> but seriously, you know, it's like maybe you should. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and so th- that's part of it. And the other thing is that if you are part of a community, to start to look with the eyes of wanting to know people of wanting to receive people. So if you're at a community event or a parish event, and maybe you have your circle and group of friends, start to look for the people who are on the outside, who are looking for a place to belong. I think that's a big piece of it. So I think it can be relevant to both. Um, Kevin, I've had a really positive experience in Denver at this awesome parish that I know is not necessarily a geographical <laughs> parish, but I want to tell you about all the great things going on there sometime. Um, and what I really love about, I, I belong to Our Lady of Lords. And uh, Father Brian has all of his podcasts online if you ever wanted to listen. Not podcasts, all of his homilies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah, so I, I think what the parish does really well, Father Mike Rapp is also there right now. The parish has a lot of things going on that people can show up to. Right. And they make it a point, all of their staff members are just very welcoming, very hospitable, and they're good at encountering people. Because yep. you could put on you could put on hundreds of events, but if nobody actually makes the effort to build a relationship or have a conversation or just say hello to people in a right. way that welcomes them in and gives them a place to belong, those events count as nothing. Right. Um, just exhausting for the people that have exactly. to put them on. But they create environments where people can have conversations and right. can, right, right. can go past the, the, what is it? Did I say candy corn? Cotton before? candy. Cotton, Cotton candy. candy. There you go. Uh, and it, yeah, so I think that that in itself has been such a gift to me. We have mass in a gym every week right yep, now. Because there's parish center construction. Yeah, yeah, the parish center construction. <laughs> and I just found out that the parish grew like 5%. And I really think a big piece of that in this year, even when we're in the gym, mm-hmm. I think a big piece of that has to do with the way the community there kind of receives people and that there's opportunities for people to show up and then people to meet them, the people who do show up. Uh, so that's one. That's that's another thing I think is that finding a place of belonging in the places that are right available. You don't have to start from scratch. Um Another thing too on it, like, you know, we have that deep community, but I think you can find community in less significant ways, like recognizing the little moments of community. So when I was in Boston, a big thing that was helpful for me was anytime that I was with friends, I was very aware of the fact that this was like an opportunity that God had given me for that moment. Just a little sip of community, so to speak, whether it was a game night or like going out to dinner with a few friends. There are times that God gives us opportunities to be with people. And I had to be really aware of those so that I could make the most of them right, and right. kind of like suck the marrow out of <laughs> like just really. Marrow can be delicious too. You should try it sometime. They have, they have, they have some places that will roast it and spread it on bread. It's tasty. I mean, you should I, try it sometime. I don't know. Thank you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, but yeah, just like really absorbing that because there are going to be seasons and phases of our life when there is not an abundance of community. And so where is it that I can be aware of what God is giving me or the opportunities mm-hmm. God is giving me to be with other people? Um, yeah. So in summary, I think it's important to have like some sort of routine to recognize the areas that you feel isolated with the places you don't have community, but then set up some sort of routine with like the stupid little things like a coffee shop or a gym or a place to pray, have a routine in your daily life. Um, and then also trying to take advantage of the opportunity, show up, take advantage of the opportunities that are available to you in your parish community, in the like community community, you know, maybe it's, it's volleyball in the park or something like that. I don't know. Sometimes there's some cool leagues. Denver has a lot of those. Um, and then for the little moments of community that you're given each day to, to take advantage of those and to be grateful for them. The last thing I want to add, just because we went on a tangent about social media is that (laughs) I do think this is, I think this is another opportunity because you could be sitting here listening, going, there are no good parishes around me. I don't have any friends. Like there's a lot of situations where none of the things I just said are possible, except maybe finding a good coffee shop. There are always coffee shops everywhere. But some of them are crappy. Some of them are crappy. That is true, Kevin. (laughs) The other thing is that we can use social media and technology for our advantage uh, you know, in the same way I was talking about just showing up to events, just pick up the phone. I'm sure at least everybody has at least one person in their life that they could pick up the phone and call and mm-hmm. just chat with. You could be talking about your day. You could be talking about things you're struggling with. It's so important to to just take that first step. And sometimes showing up looks like making a phone call and just checking in with somebody. Um, so I think that's where technology can, can be really helpful. I've, I'm very grateful for the people in my life who 
have called me and let me call them, you know, walking right. around, right. Um, you know, in the park and being like, man, I just had a really hard day. And so things like that, that allow us to use technology um, and social media for more than just the fluff. Right. Right. Yeah. Use technology. Yeah. Use technology for deep, meaningful things rather than, you know, the easy, the easy stuff. Cause and again, I think, I think the, the thing that I think I have to do that anyone has to do that wants community is like, you have to do the hard thing. Mm. Like the easy thing is going to be, it, it's funny. It's like the, the wide road, and the narrow road that the Lord talks about. It's like, if you take the wide road, like that's the road to perdition. Like that's the easy way. That's the way that leads to destruction, to isolation, to terrible relationships. It's like, if you do the, the easy stuff that the whole, that our whole culture is doing, like you're going to bear the fruit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you take like the narrow route, that's hard that like requires you to show up to something or, you know, go be a part of this thing, even though it's like hard to do, or even though it like takes time out of your day, um, like you, you have to choose, you have to choose something, right? It's, it's like, you can't, you can't do every single thing that is present an opportunity to you, which I think that's like the paralyzing part of, you know, the world today is that everything is an option. Therefore, nothing's an option. It's like, I could go to these like 30,000 different restaurants that are in this city, but there's so many of them that I just, I don't even, I'm just going to go to McDonald's mm-hmm. like, cause I don't like, you know, so it's like all, our options give us too, too much choice. It's like, it's, it's so funny. It's like, is, is freedom just the ability to choose something? Like I th- we, we, we had a conversation about that earlier. It was like, is that actually what freedom is? Cause like, I don't, I don't think it is like freedom should be to be like free of just like impulsively, you know, doing whatever our ability, you know, to like have self-control and like, I'm going to choose to do this one thing rather than mm-hmm. I'm going to just frantically go all over the place and do all these different things and um, try to be all of these things to all these different people. But it's like, no, I think the the way to com- community is like again to have the deep thing is like you have to choose something, choose it's a thing, not choose it's all things. Comfortable, yeah. Right. Shout out to Father Jacques Philippe, as uh, anybody who's read his book Interior Freedom. He was in Denver and he gave a couple conferences, which were awesome. So yeah, I would agree, Kevin. Freedom for the sake of love. That's what John Paul II talks right. about: is that freedom exists for the sake of love and love. Um, happens uh, in decisions love is is active love's so a choice love is a choice not a feeling <laughs> more, it's more than, than yeah, feeling. it's more than a feeling yeah. um yeah so i I've, it's funny just how I'm, I'm just thinking about like in my current season of life how do i become a part of like really like i love my job right now is super fun and like i interact with people and talk with people and it's great. And the people I work with are really great. Um, but like, how do I have, how do I get involved in something that's outside of just work? Cause like that's, it's really easy to just fall like that to be a crutch and like, well, you know, I'll work these nine hours and then I'm just going to go home and, you know, read or play PlayStation or just veg out and just, you know, mm-hmm. do all these things. Like how do I have more than just like this, this work community, which again, it's like, it's small, but at least like they know who I am and like, you belong I somewhere. I belong right, somewhere. Right. right. But how do I, you know, belong, in another way to, to other people, it's like that, that more deep convenience is just yeah. like, yeah, it's just fun. And I think that goes back to what I was saying about having the vision. If you're on the other side of it. So if you're the person who is in the community already right. having the vision of like invitation and encountering people for sure. So like, for instance, Kevin, I'm just going to invite you to come hang out with my friends more often. <laughs> or you can have dinner and we had a game day a couple of weeks ago. You showed up too. So good job showing up. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I think so praying for those people, and this is really where we got to exercise the virtue of trust too. that if God has allowed you to be in this current, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking yeah. generally, yeah. Kevin, you need to trust yeah. Jesus, well, thank no, you. but just exercising, <laughs> exercising the virtue of trust in response to Jesus. I know that you've brought me to this place and that you provide and asking for those people who will be on the other side to receive you. Um, cause we have to have, it's a two way street relationships or it's not just, you know, us, um, giving of ourselves that there has to be somebody else. And so I'm grateful for the people in my life who did invite me to things, right. um, in Boston, you know, grace, my friend grace was, uh, the one who kind of started Bible study and created this community of women that I talked about earlier. And she, she was relentless in inviting me to things. She 
even when I couldn't come for weeks and weeks and weeks, she didn't give up and she was um, really persistent. So both sides of it, pray for it, pray for the people who will invite you to things. And the other side of that is that if you are somebody who has community, be persistent right. and reach out to people. Like yeah. Don't don't be, and it's really cool. So there's a, a local parish, St. Vincent Paul, and they mm. have a really cool ministry they started doing uh, called Scent, where they basically, their goal is to like evangelize their parish borders, their oh, neighborhood. Cool. It's really cool. It's like, we're going to go knock on the every door within our parish boundary and like actually meet the people that so live cool. within the boundary of our parish. It's like, what a novel idea, but it's like, that's what people used to do. And like, now it's, we, it's such a like foreign concept. Like, yeah. wait, I should know the person that lives next door to me. I can't believe that. Like, what do you mean? I should know my neighbor. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like, but like, uh, I, I, I'm thinking about where I, I live currently. It's kind of weird because I'm like I'm living with a family, so it's not like right. it's like my house per se. So I don't just like knock on the the neighbors and like, hey, I live with the Machado. Just want to say hey. Um, but like even just like those little things of how can I go? Like I have this. There's people around me every day. Like how can I get to know them each way? And like I try to do that work where you know it's it's funny. I the my mornings are like you know like Hispanic moms that are working in the, in the mornings for the most oh, part. You're it's working like, with Hispanic Yeah, moms. I'm working with Hispanic moms. I thought moms. that was a particular population of people that were coming to no, Chick-fil-A. No, our, uh, our, our store has, has many, we, we're, it's the, the most diverse amount of people you could imagine coming into our store. Oh it's, it's incredible. Um, but in the mornings it's like Hispanic moms I work with. And then the evenings it's like, 16 year olds. <laughs> so it's like, okay, like how do I, and so I just like leading teens closer. To I, I'm like, I'm back in youth ministry. I didn't <laughs> even realize it. Um, but just like, even it's just me like asking how their day is and just like, rather than just like, Hey, I need, need to get this lemonade. I need to do this thing. Um, it's just like making that little small effort to like inquire and just like mm. ask. And yeah, maybe they're not going to like spill their whole life story to you, but you'll at least know like, Oh, they had a really hard day because you know, class was really hard yeah. or, their mom's sick or this or that. It's like, those are like, again, that's small talk, but that leads to more relationship of like, Hey, this person knows at least that I care. Mm. And it's not. And for, for other people, it's like, yeah, show people you care. Even if it's just like the random cashier at the grocery store, cause they may be having a hard day and they may be treated like crap by their manager right now, or their husband is sick and they're the only breadwinner right now. And so they have to work 60 hours a week and they can't be at home with their kids and see them very often because they have to work 12 hours a day, you know? Mm. So look out for those service industry people's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, but even just like for, for people that are struggling, just like reach out to people at your work. Like those, that can be, you can start community there. Like you don't have to, you know, hope and pray that some like, wonderful Catholic person walk into your life. Like they may be sitting next right. to your, the, the cube next to you. You just never talk to them. It's the little moments of community it's and little moments. And we have to have eyes to see that because they're not always super obvious. Small things, are great love, little, little Therese. Mm-hmm. Just gotta, just gotta do the small things mm-hmm. and, and, and show up, just show up, just be present, be present. Mm-hmm. All right. Enough about that. Um, I like to ask everyone to completely change subject. Are there any, um, music TV, movies anything that you have uh recently sank your teeth in that you really like oh man maggie rogers maggie rogers she is a um folk of course but this is this is <laughs> so yeah um they can i can thank katrina and Erin and emily and lauren and laura all of the ladies of the joy house and lizzie miss lizzie kelsch um it's weird that that's her name now. that's <laughs> her name now that's her name yeah so discovered um through them and yeah, just really loving Maggie Rogers. She's uh, got a cool sound. Um, enjoying her a lot. Also, just read "Till We Have Faith." It, fa- Till we have faith is. Till we have faces. Is that for book club with Father Branson? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was. Um, I really. I wish I had read it as part of a book club because I think there were so many little nuggets that I could have mm-hmm. pulled out. Um, but really enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, another cool thing about working for the Augustine Institute is that. I'm getting to take graduate classes with some of the best theological professors in the country. Um, so that's been really cool. I'm taking a class on the evangelization of the ancient worlds, which is like uh, just the first, I don't know how many centuries of, of the church. So that's been really interesting, reading a lot of old texts, a lot of early church fathers. So Athanasius and... Yeah, we're it's still pretty early on. I'm also really behind. <laughs> ah, the truth <laughs> so comes what, out. That's what this afternoon's going to be. The truth but, comes um, out. Yeah, that's Maggie Rogers has been a new thing. And then there's this 
this group called, I think it's just a person, um, Novo Amor. I'd like to give a shout out to Zoe Klein for introducing me to them. Is that new love? Is that what I don't Novo know. Amor it's, means? They're my new love. They're, <laughs> they're really, they're, I think it's just a single guy. So he's really, really good. Um, yeah. So Maggie Rogers, Novo Amor, and the Oh Hellos, as always. I have been rereading Lord of the Rings. So Ooh. I am currently halfway through the third book, which is the middle of two towers. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Gandalf and uh, Aeom, uh, Theoden and all of them have come from um, the Battle of Helm's Deep and are going to Isengard to go um, go uh, parlay with yeah. with Saruman is oh, the, yeah. the current part of it. Last but it's year, great. It, it's a great book. If you haven't actually read the book, you should read the book because it's a great book. And if you have a hard time staying focused, um, it's an audiobook. <laughs> audiobook. That's what I did. So last year, um, my my good friend Father Kevin recommended that I listen to and read um, one of the two, The Lord of the Rings. So I have like an annual cyclical. Like I come, like I I started it again right before Christmas, and I'm a, I'm actually around the same point in two ah. towers right now because I have been listening to other things. But so beautiful. It's so good. Tolkien. Tolkien's good. If you and. Whenever I have children, I want to read them The Hobbit because it's yeah. like it's like you're because it's like written by Bilbo essentially, right? And so it's it's just a great. I I love I love The Hobbit. It's a great book. I love it's Lord of the Rings. I'm Lord of the Rings. I'm a nerd at heart. Um, and then music wise, I had, it's funny since I have no longer have a desk job, I listen to like fractionally the amount of music I used. Oh to. Oh my gosh, I that's don't listen true. to music at all because. I, when I'm on shift, it's not like I just have headphones in, you know, it's not the way it works. Um, but one K few came out with a song with Ty Brizel and what up RG called how we comment. It's great. I'll play it for you okay. after. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan. Um, I love anything from, uh, reach records one, one six. So, okay. No, I've never heard of anything you just said. Lecrae. So really- it's Lecrae's okay. label. Okay. Annie Minio, all those people, but oh, nice. it's good. So listen to, listen to what if you, how we coming. It's good. Different. Definitely a different genre. Very different from genre folk. than folk. Very different genre than folk, though I like folk. Um, cool. Well, Amy, look, we've almost talked for almost an hour. That's, That's pretty impressive. good. We were going to go for 30, 30 minutes. Yeah, it happens. Does it that happens. mean that I rambled on? Or is no, it means I, ra- good, I, I got you on tangents. It's fine. It doesn't it's matter. Fine. We had a good time. We'll have like 10 people listen to this. It'll be fine. We're just speaking uh, into the void. No, no, no. Into the I void. Have, I have a little. I'll, we'll get this out. Yeah. I have a little bit of digital marketing experience thanks to the AI. And, I, uh, I have I have a, I have a Twitter, which is the only thing I have. We'll, we'll pop this out. People will. You can you can put it on your Instagram, but since we'll, I deleted we'll my Facebook, this. I can't get on my. I'll Instagram put it on. Anymore. I'll put it on Facebook. Good. <laughs> you can put it on Facebook. Haha. <laughs> well, I'll have to actually edit it and post it and stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can follow me at the Fentor on Twitter. That's all I do. I don't really tweet. I just use it for news gathering and funny memes. So if you have memes, just at me and send them to me. And uh, Amy, is any any way? Do you want people to follow you on social yeah, media? Yeah, totally Maybe you can. Don't. Um, I have to look up my Instagram name, but wow. it's Amy A I M E E S T G. That's nice. my that's my Insta handle, and I think I'm on Facebook. Um, you think you're on Facebook? I, I am on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just wondering if I don't think it's public. I think it's like a private thing. But um, Twitter, I don't use Twitter. Maybe I need to get back in my Twitter game. That's that's okay. It's, I just I'm not funny. I want to be funny. I'm not. You just like you don't have to participate. Just, again, just be a voyeur like me. <laughs> and just and just look at all the news and stuff and find out what's happening. I use it for like MBA stuff and. <laughs> random very niche catholic things mm. basically there's, anything that's there's like a robust catholic twitter i've heard right but i'm not a part of that that's okay i just you know i see all of the stupid things that go on and <laughs> the crazy rad trad trolls that are on there so mm, mm. i you know what there's a place for everybody there's a place all for everyone. unfortunately <laughs> there's a place for everyone uh cool well amy thank you for taking this time and uh hopefully this was actually decent to listen to we'll find this out fun. we'll see if, yeah, what kind of feedback we have Exactly. All right. Bye, Bye everyone.